We're going to hop right in today. Uh, I, I want to dive in a little bit. I am going to encourage you to, to do one thing, and that is if you have any little slip of paper or anything around, a journal, whatever, I'm going to invite you to, to have that available <clears throat> because the topic that we're about to talk about, at some points it feels, uh, it feels kind of complex enough or not complex, but there's so much. I went down the rabbit hole this week, and I realized that, oh my goodness, you might just want to be able to say, here's one thing that I feel God's stirring <laughs> that I can take away. Not that this is going to be long or incredibly in-depth, but we're about to talk about um, a broad theme within the scriptures when we talk about today's question. And so, uh, so I don't want you to, to feel like, oh man, I don't know what to take away from, from this. So if there's one thing that you can hold on to as we talk about these stories that, where Jesus asks some key questions, go, just go ahead and write it down. And often that's a very helpful tool. Uh, so last week, we, um, we talked about the question of, uh, of uh, do you want to be well, right? It, it was about desire. How badly do we want to be made well? And so, so there was a big question about uh, asking ourselves that question um, internally, taking a look inward. Uh, today, this week, we're looking more outward at Jesus himself, and we're asking about how much we really believe uh, so let me ask you the question to start out. Do you have faith? And do you know what it means to say yes or no to that question? We're going to tell two stories from the Gospels today. The first one is from uh, the book of Matthew. And I do want to throw these, uh, these passages up on the screen here. So let me, just, uh, let me just do that for you. All right. Okay, so hopefully you can see that. Um, Matthew 9 has a story, uh, and it's embedded in a whole bunch of different stories of Jesus' healing. And this is going to be another story of Jesus' healing. Uh, and there is another healing story. There's been all sorts of stuff going on. It's just a transition word. But we're, we're told that Jesus is going on from his last event. He's starting to make a name for himself. And there were two blind men that were following him, and they were calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When Jesus had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and they spread the news about him all over the region. That happens all the time, by the way. Jesus says, don't say anything about this. And it's like, uh, it's, it's like nobody can keep their mouths shut after that. Um, and so, uh, so anyways, I want you to take a look at this story because Jesus, uh, he, he asks a question and he states, and he makes a statement. And his first question, well, oh, actually, we should tell you something beforehand. No, 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 let's just do the question. Okay, so there are these blind folks and they come up to Jesus and, and they're crying out for mercy. Okay, they're crying out for mercy, and, and Jesus has heard them likely because they've been following him. So we're told that they were following him, and what they're crying out is, have mercy on us, son of David. Now, it's really interesting that they use the phrase son of David because that is what we call a messianic phrase. It meant that they weren't just saying Jesus was a healer. They were calling him the son of David, the one that Isaiah and the prophets called and, and, and told would one day come and restore Israel. Okay, so, so they are using a specific phrase that says, we believe that you are the Messiah. Oh, Messiah, come have mercy on us. 
And so, so they, they continue to pursue Jesus. Jesus doesn't turn right away, possibly because he doesn't want yet to be known as the Messiah because of the political connotations with him leading a rebellion. People thought that the Messiah was going to come and take charge and lead um, a, an uprising. Okay, And so he shied away during certain times in his ministry from that claim until the time was right. But anyways, they keep following him. So he goes inside somewhere into a house, wherever he's heading, and they keep pursuing him. They keep following him. At this point, Jesus looks to them, and he has heard that they believe that he is the son of David. And he says to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? And, he's, and they say yes. And then he touches them, and the second phrase that he says is, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Okay, so there's a story here, and the story is obviously, do you believe, and then according to your faith. Now, before we go any further, we should probably learn about the, the words here that, that talk about belief and faith, because we really, we really kind of screwed up a lot um, in, in our language. Uh, the, the roots are so important. Because the word believe is, is pistuo, and, and the word faith is in, in Greek is pistis, and those are actually the exact same words. One's a noun, one's a verb, or both can be both. But, but the whole point is that to believe <clears throat> literally means to have faith. And that's not surprising, right? We would, we would agree with that in our culture. Here's the thing, though. There's a third word that these both also mean. And that is trust. In English, sometimes when we hear the word belief, we think about the head knowledge that comes with it. You know, do I think that this is true in my head? Let me weigh the evidence. Let me think about it for a while, and then I'm going to decide, do I believe this or do I not believe this? But faith in Greek is all about trust in an active way. All right, like, like trust fall type of trust. I don't know if any of you ever did those camps, those summer camps where you would line up and, and get ready to fall backwards and you would be caught. It was called a trust fall. And you, the question is, do you believe that these kids... I can't believe that they let kids do that because I was dropped at least once. So my belief was, uh, was not always well placed. Do you believe that you will be caught? And you can't say, yes, I do believe it. I'm just not going to volunteer to be up next. If you believe it, you step up and you fall. This is what belief and faith means in the Greek context, in the Hebrew culture. Okay. So, so this is, you know, I, I have a, a really fancy microphone right above me so that you can all hear me well um, in my little basement studio. It's not that fancy. But, uh, but I'm trusting it's hanging by a rubber band. And I am trusting that that rubber band, I do not know how old that rubber band is, is going to hold this little microphone. It's not going to fall and smack me in the head. That's belief. Okay? You, uh, when, when you look at a bridge that's just been newly built, right? And, and there's water underneath it. You don't believe that it'll hold 20,000 pounds until you actually drive your truck. Oh, man. Across it, right? That is belief, according to the scriptures. That is belief, okay? And so, so it's really important that we understand that belief is faith, is trust in an active way. 
But the neat thing here that I think that we should pick up on as, as we get into this world of faith is that Jesus knew that there was something more to what these men wanted because they were calling him the Messiah. In fact, what he says is when he, when he, tell, when he heals them and he says, um, uh, run, you know, don't, don't tell anyone about this. They went and spread the news about him. It doesn't say that they spread the news about what happened. I'm sure they told what happened. But what they did was they spread the news about Jesus. Because what they were doing is they were trusting something more than just that moment. Um, let's see. How, how else do we say this? Sometimes when you see and experience something small, it makes you start to trust in something bigger. It's like, uh, like when, when you have a team that you cheer on and they win and they're an underdog and they win the semifinal game, you begin to believe that they're capable of winning the final, even though you wouldn't have before. The journey of faith in the scripture is the journey of seeing God's faithfulness in small ways that remind us that the big type of faith is understanding God's faithfulness in the broadest ways and learning to live in light of that. Uh, so, do you believe that I am able when Jesus asked these men that? I believe was actually a connotation to something far deeper. In other words, you believe that I may be the Messiah. Do you believe that I am able to do this? Not just to heal you, but you call me the son of David. Do you believe the biggest story that might come out of this? And they said, yes. And he says, according to your faith, I'm going to heal you. So I, I want us to think about faith in multiple lights. I want us to start by that story, and then I'm going to tell the next story, and then I'm going to try to bring this together for us. So we're going to explore a second story, and that's the story in the book of Luke, because it ends with the, a question that brings the whole theme together. Okay, so we're in Luke 18, and here's the story. Totally different story, but it brings out something different about faith. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Now that's, when he says, nor cared what people thought, that doesn't mean that he has like a healthy sense of self. It means he doesn't care about people, okay? Um, so, there, and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, it's such a fun, it's almost, this whole thing's almost a joke. Because who, who says to himself, even though I'm not a God-fearing person, uh, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so she won't eventually come and attack me. <laughs> Listen to that statement. Because <laughs> she keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. See if I can get this past. There we go. Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That's the question. Now, what's faith look like in a story like this? Because Jesus seems to be telling that this is a story about faith. Because he ends it by saying, when the Son of Man comes, though, will he find faith? Here's this story. Here's God's heart. Will he find faith? 
One of uh, one of the points of this story that is almost always, in fact, it's called the the parable or the story of the of the persistent widow. And so the goal uh, that it's most often interpreted is, here's what happens: be persistent in prayer. That's the that's the the, the whole point of this story is to be persistent. I I'm going to challenge that, and I'm going to explain why in just a second. Um, first of all, Jesus is giving this example that he, even. This human judge is a horrible, a horrible character, really. Doesn't care about people, doesn't care about the things of God, and has no interest in granting justice. But even he eventually caves in when there is justice needed. And so, so we, we aren't intended to compare God to this judge, at least not in a good way. We're supposed to say that God is the opposite. So we shouldn't assume that we are also supposed to mimic <clears throat> this widow who uh, we're told... Um, may attack and is bothering the judge. Excuse me. <clears throat> so, so maybe the widow's actions aren't exactly the parallel for us since the judge's actions are not a parallel for God. So that's, that's number one. Secondly, we're specifically told that God will not keep putting us off, those who cry out and long for justice, that, that God will come quickly and meet them. So if the goal of the whole story is just to be persistent, well, then why is he saying, God will come quickly and meet you instead of putting off and requiring that persistence. I'm not saying we shouldn't pray persistently, but just hang with me because this is so incredibly important about faith. So, thirdly, at the beginning of the story, um, we are told that he told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And how we interpret that is we should always pray and not give up praying, right? We should always pray and we should keep praying and then we should pray some more because that's what God wants. But that's not actually what it's saying. He's telling the story so that they should always pray instead of giving up. He's not saying don't give up praying. He's saying don't give up because that's going to be the alternative. When you're discouraged, when you see injustice, when you feel like you're in pain, you're going to want to give up and I'm giving you an alternative. Pray. You see the difference there? Pray instead. Even, even the reference to day and night in verse 7 that you're seeing on the screen um, is, is not about how long we pray. It literally reads that God will hear your prayer of the day or your prayer of the night. So in other words, any time that we reach out to God, God will hear and come. If persistence is our goal, here's the big key. If we think that the, the, the whole point of, of a story like this is to be persistent with prayer, to keep pounding God over and over again, then our thought process will inevitably go to how much is enough. How much prayer is enough? How much faith is enough to get what I'm crying for? Four hours? Five hours? Ten hours? And yet that's not the heart of God that we see. Instead, if, if instead of our goal being persistence, if instead our goal is learning how to respond to pain and discouragement and injustice without giving in to despair, but instead turning to God in prayer, then we get to retrain ourselves to move constantly toward Jesus, toward faith. That, that's faith. Faith is not about enough, but about knowing that God will respond any time that we call. Um, it, it's about our knee-jerk reaction. Bethany and I were talking about uh, the wonderful world of contemporary Christian music in the 1990s, and, uh, and there was this song that kept going through my mind when I was thinking about this theme and she thinks it was Rebecca St. James. Maybe somebody can throw it in the chat box if you had the um, 
both potential blessing and curse of growing up in the contemporary Christian music uh, culture of the 90s, which sounded a lot like Christian or like regular pop and rock just 10 years behind. Uh, but but anyways, the song was uh, um, Where Do I Go When I Need a Shelter? Do you know the song? Do you recognize Where Do I Go When I Need a Friend? Where Do I Go When I Need Some Helping? Where Do I Go Back on My Knees Again? Anybody remember that? I, I can only see like five of you over there on the, the screen. So maybe you don't. If you do, you can say where it is. But that's the point of a story like this, really. It's where do we go? Do we go to a place of despair? Do we go to a place of discouragement? Or do we believe something about the heart and character of God that moves us in the hard times of our lives back to trust? Back to active trust, to belief to faith. So Jesus doesn't say, will he find any people that are persistent? What he says is, will I find faith? Will I find people who walk with the conviction of prayer and not despair, of connection and not removal? Um, one of our problems that we have with all of this when we think about faith is that, uh, that faith really, biblically speaking, has nothing to do with certainty of outcomes at least not in the, in the, the, the small micro sense. Um, consider one of the greatest stories of faith in all of the Bible. It's in Daniel 3 with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and King Nebuchadnezzar has said that everyone in the kingdom must bow down to him and worship him. And these, these Hebrews say, no, we only will recognize God as Lord, Yahweh as Lord. And he says, okay, the punishment for that is I'm going to throw you into a fiery furnace. You've probably, many of you know this story. And so what happens is they're standing there at the, at the mouth of the furnace and they say to the king, they say, King, we believe that God is able and will rescue us from this fire. But if God doesn't, we want you to know that we will never bend our knee to you, that you will never be our Lord. And we are at peace with that. Now, here's the thing. God does rescue them in that moment. But if God didn't, would their faith have been misplaced? Would it have been bad faith? Or would we look at them as an example of faith? Because what they were saying was so beautiful. They're saying, regardless of the outcome, this is not about us deciding exactly how God should work and will work. This is about us knowing that the way of God, the character of God, the heart of God, the salvation and rescue of God is all greater than any person, than any system, anything around us. And we will continue in that way no matter what. We have that conviction, whether or not what we want or think will happen does. What a story of faith. That's biblical faith. Even in Hebrews 11, which is often called the, um, the hall of faith, where many different biblical characters are, are, um, are praised for their, for their active faith. The writer of Hebrews even says that um, these people were looking for a land that they died still looking for, the land of God's ultimate redemption, Right. So, so they didn't even find it. Now, ultimately, yes. But, but I think sometimes we think that faith is about certainty of outcomes, and it's about so much more. The substance of our faith is the conviction that God is good and that God will ultimately, ultimately bring about his kingdom of love and redemption in our lives and in the world. Biblical faith. Jesus says, will I find faith? That faith is the conviction that God is good, and that God will ultimately bring about his kingdom of love and redemption in our lives and in the world around us. So Jesus asks, will I find faith? And he is asking us, 
will I look on earth and find people who live consistently with the conviction of who I am and what I'm doing. Faith like that is is hard because it's so overarching. It's so multifaceted and we tend to fall into these camps. So, so there are those people and you're going to know it because you're, as much as you try, you're going to be drawn to one or the other that we all are. There, there are those people for whom um, they, uh, they tend to spiritualize and internalize faith so much. Faith is incredibly personal. And, and so um, my faith is, is just about me and Jesus and my spirit and, and personal salvation. And what we end up doing is we end up kind of disembodying that from real life. We end up disembodying it from real issues that are, that are human and, and global and around us. We miss that most of Jesus' teaching was how um, we live now on earth with people, right? And then there's another camp, and that camp um, tend to simply work for good things in the world and do really beautiful stuff that Jesus told us to do, care for the poor um, and, and offer compassion and, and do good things, but they miss out sometimes on the incredible personal redemption and grace that God is offering every single person to experience. The internal world that goes so far beyond the physical now and forever. And so we're, we're drawn to one of these two things. And it's funny because sometimes we, uh, we say, well, the, there's the, the Jesus is my savior. And then there's the Jesus is the Lord of the earth. <laughs> And we separate these two things, sometimes because belief has been understood to be up here. Instead of seeing that real faith is understanding that Jesus, my rescuer, is also in the process of rescuing all of creation, and I get to join in that. So we're horrible at living as people of real faith most of the time, people with robust, active, integrated trust. Um, that's why that first story is, is so important. Jesus, Jesus says to these blind men, do you actually trust that I can change things? And they're like, well, yeah, we changed our direction. We didn't just cry out. We followed you inside. We pursued. That's active trust. We tracked you down. Conviction lived out by hope and by action. Now, this gets really complicated once again when we hear stories like some of the ones that I've shared and we talk about having faith or the power of faith and how it's connected with God acting, right? I know some of you, even when we talk about having faith and a healing story and we hear that Jesus said something of, you know, by your faith, right? <gasps> by your faith, you are made well, which is really funny because it's clearly Jesus doing it, but somehow there's a connection there. And, and when we enter this world, this is where Christianity gets super wonky, right? Because um, we, we move into this world of name it and claim it theology. We move into this world of our faith determines God's actions completely. Uh, let me play both sides here for a minute, biblically. Yes, Jesus in this first story clearly says that the faith of the men plays a role in their healing. And yes, where there is no faith in Jesus's hometown, we are told that Jesus could not do any miracles. Not wouldn't, but couldn't. So there is some sort of a role that the faith of people play in all of this, in how God works. And yet, we're also told, Jesus says that the Spirit blows wherever it will, wherever it wants to. Paul in 1 Corinthians says, who can know the ways of the Lord to instruct him, right? And, and Jesus teaches us that our best form of prayer is not to pray for what we want, but to pray for God's kingdom to come. 
And so here's the thing. There is so much mystery in all of this. And if we don't allow for mystery in our faith, mystery in our faith, it's a part of it. If we don't allow for mystery in our faith, we will either ignore the beautiful, great benefit of faith, or we will exploit it for our own purposes. If we don't embrace mystery, we'll either miss the beautiful benefit and hope that faith brings, we'll disregard it, or on the other side, we'll exploit it. So, as I was looking at these stories this week and asking Jesus to kind of help, help me see where our faith as a community can continue to grow, um, I, I realized that as we look at these two different stories, and there are so many, I, I just got totally bogged down with all of the different times that faith is mentioned and spoken of in the Gospels. Um, you know, Jesus says, why do you have such little faith when Peter's, you know, called out to walk on the water and struggles? I mean, there's just so much of this to explore, and we could, we could do an entire series on faith. But here's, here's a macro level. Faith is experienced in two ways. Like we experience um, having faith and the byproducts of it in two ways. Number one is personal healing. Like our first story. Do we believe that Jesus can heal us and transform us? And I'm not, I'm not just talking about, you know, um, physical stuff. These were all representatives of what God was wanting to do to the world on a macro level. Do we believe that Jesus can transform us? personally, change us from the people that we are to the people that God wants us to become? Do we have faith in that internal personal transformation? And the second thing is, um, do we have faith in global transformation? Do we have, do we trust that God is at work to bring about justice and wholeness? So on one level, do we have faith that God can change me and is changing me and is rescuing me? And on the second level, do we actually have faith that God is doing something in the world that God is working toward an ultimate redemption to bring about good, to use his church for that. And that faith then, so that's how we experience faith in those two ways. And then we express faith in two ways. And the first is prayer. Um, prayer moving toward Jesus, right? Rather than despair rather than fear. That's one way that we express faith. We move toward Jesus in those moments and we, and we consistently, again, not about time, about heart posture. We consistently move toward Jesus and say, Jesus, I need to trust you. I want to trust you. And secondly, radical discipleship is the second part. So prayer is one way that we express faith. <clears throat> Uh-oh. And radical... Radical discipleship is the second way. Radical discipleship, if, if prayer is moving towards Jesus rather than fear or despair, radical discipleship is moving toward the character and the actions that reflect Christ. Actions like nonviolence, forgiveness, generosity, care for the weak and marginalized, personal integrity, those sorts of things. So those are signs of faith. Do we move toward Jesus in the deep places and do we move our actions in the world toward the character of Christ? Okay. So that's why I wanted you to have kind of some paper around because uh, we just, I just threw out a whole bunch of different stuff for you. But I want you, as you think about this this week, as you think about the question of do you believe that I can do this, that Jesus asks. And the question that Jesus asks when we look around the world and we see injustice and he says, will people have any faith at all one day when I find them? 
Will I find them of people who are consistently holding the conviction that I'm still at work and that I will come rescue? Let these stories be an encouragement. You do not need more to-do lists in your lives when you're worn out and you're discouraged. You don't need being told more um, how to make your Christianity good enough. Instead, think of this as more like a life hack with Jesus, okay? When you're discouraged, when you're walking wounded, when you're looking at the world and its injustices and you feel despair, when you're at the end of your rope, let that drive you toward Jesus as a gift. Saying, Jesus, it's moments like this where it's so amazing to be able to believe that you are good and you are still at work. What hope? I believe, right? I believe you've rescued me and you will even more. I believe that you are rescuing the world and you will even more. And I'm going to live like it out there because I feel like giving up. So I'm going to trust you instead. Today. So remember, faith is not about doing enough. That's not what active trust is. And it's not about certainty of outcomes, at least in our human way of thinking about it. Okay? What we want to be able to do is to respond to Jesus' questions and say, yes, we believe, Lord. We have faith. We hold the conviction that you are good and that your kingdom is going to come about. And we'll live like it toward others and in the deepest places within our own spirits. Final note, and then uh, we'll break out into some groups for... Uh, dialogue, so hopefully you can clarify with each other what uh, what maybe the Spirit was saying during these uh, these minutes. But um, final note is that sometimes we need to rely um, on the shared faith of the community when it's hard for you personally. We have such a hyper focus on an individualized faith, um, but the biblical witness is that God's church is the body of Christ, and so so we trust each other's faith when it's running low in our own lives, when our convictions of God's goodness or God at work is running low, we walk with the community of faith faithfully so that we can be reminded, so that we can share in that faith when, it, when we don't seem to have enough of it. And that's how God often works. So don't be afraid of doing that. It's what we're literally made for. Okay? Um, there's peace there. There's hope there. So do you have faith? Will you try in new ways um, to let the hope of Christ speak in to the moments <clears throat> of your despair? Um, and the moments where you look around and say, come Lord Jesus, this seems to be taking too long to see the redemption that we long to see. Be at peace and know that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is rescuer, and that Jesus has promised to stay that way now and forever. Let's pray. Uh, God, we admit this whole subject of faith, um, and what it means to actively trust you, it can be hard. How, what is internal, what is doing, what is just thinking, what is, what's it all about? So we want to just simply rest on your goodness and walk with the conviction that not everything depends on us. But we do believe that you can do good and beautiful things in our lives and in our world, and we're going to keep walking like that no matter what. Guide us as a church, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.